This is the Rocky Mountain Review web episode for September 24th. I'm Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth. And today we will be interviewing Kelly Balnap with Adventurous Backpack, as well as Rabbi Gorlick, who is involved with the Jewish Student Union and Jewish student leaders on campus. After that, we're going to have some news reports from our local reporter, Coda Babcock, as well as our sports reporter, Dixon Lawson, and a roundtable about Fort Collins lifting the topless ban for young women. We've got that and a bunch more. Only here on the Rocky Mountain Review. We are here with Kelly. And uh, Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, uh, you're a CSU graduate, but uh, after you left CSU, you uh, did something pretty amazing. Would you mind telling us about what you did after you left CSU? So yeah, I uh, graduated CSU in 2014, and then uh, my now wife and my and I uh, started Adventurist Backpack Company. So we're a company that designs minimalist backpacks uh, for travel, and for every backpack sold, we provide 25 meals to families in need across the U.S. That's awesome. And uh, you you did that right out from uh, coming out of CSU, like within a couple of years? Yeah, exactly. It was about two years after graduating. Wow. What was your inspiration to do that? So uh, basically, so my wife is from uh, Sweden, so we travel back and forth to Europe a lot to visit her family, uh, and so we need a good backpack always. And so basically, we noticed that uh, the backpack industry has super high markups in general, same with like bags and purses and everything like that. And so we wanted to make a, uh, a high-quality, affordable, and fashionable backpack that was under $100. And you succeeded, it sounds like. <laughs> well, we hope so. Right on. So uh, I know you have a partnership with Rams Against Hunger. Could you tell us a little bit about what you uh, what you're doing with them? Yeah, so uh, we recently partnered up with Rams Against Hunger, uh, the program at CSU, which helps provide meals to uh, food insecure students. So uh, a recent statistic that I learned uh, from the Harvard Review is actually that one out of every five college students is food insecure, not knowing where their next meal is going to come from. So while, you know, there are people in the dorms that are heading down to the the dining halls. There's some people that don't know where they're going to eat next. And so basically, we wanted to partner with CSU, obviously, because I'm an alum, but also uh, to fight against hunger within students. And so we help to provide from each backpack sale food swipes and also money goes to a mobile food pantry on campus to help feed uh, food insecure students. Okay. And can you buy the backpacks on campus directly yeah you can so we have them for sale at the csu bookstore right in the lori student center oh very cool so i guess another question would be um what has been some of the struggles that you've dealt with during this so definitely um finding a good partner and able to uh in order to provide meals obviously uh starting a business and uh, doing nonprofit work is uh, are t- two completely different things. So uh, while we had the entrepreneurial you know drive to start a company, we didn't know so much about the nonprofit side of things. So what we decided to do in partnering up with Feeding America, uh, we wanted to do that because they had already the infrastructure in place to help provide meals, uh, and that way they could take care of. Uh, providing meals in the best way possible in ways that we couldn't at the at the time that we started. 
And how long have you been doing this for? So we've been doing this for just over two years. We started in September of 2017. Right on. Well, thank you so much for coming in and telling us about it, Kelly. Yeah, thank you so much. And so if people are interested in donating or buying one of these backpacks, where can they find uh, more information about it? Yeah, so if anyone would like any more information on the backpacks and the mission, uh, you can uh, always check out our website www.adventuristbackpacks.com and you can also go check them out in the LSC at the bookstore. All right and is there anything you want to add about this? Uh, Not not anything I can think of right now but uh, just uh, be aware that your fellow students might not have it as well as you and you know always lend a helping hand that's my best advice I can give. All right well thank you so much for that. All right thank you guys. That was Kelly from Adventurous Backpack. Up next, uh, we are going to go on a break, but first, we've got Dixon with sports. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, can I... Hey, thank you. There we go. <laughs> We're going to start out with the uh, number 22 ranked volleyball, as they had a tough three-game back-to-back last week uh, in which they were able to go 3-0. and Starting on Wednesday night, they played uh, the University of Northern Colorado, UNC. The Bears were able to test the issue going deep into each set, although still losing in three sets. Uh, Thursday night had Cal Poly come to Moby Arena where the Rams took a commanding win in three sets once again. And then finally on Friday, uh, we played Oregon State. They were the first team to actually win a set in Moby Arena in the three-game span, but they still came up short, losing 3-1. to one. The volleyball uh, wraps up the three-game, or excuse me, wraps up this homestand Thursday night against New Mexico, and then we'll travel to UNLV for a matchup on Saturday. The football team had a shootout in Canvas Stadium Saturday night, losing 35-41. to uh, In Patrick O'Brien's first start, he went 32-52 for 52 through the air for 405 yards, uh, having a touchdown and interception as well. Kinsey Jr. was an animal on the ground. He had 246 yards and two scores. Uh, the football team will head back on the road next Saturday to face Utah State. And if anyone does want to catch any of the action live from Moby Arena on Thursday, be sure to tune in at 7 290.5 KCSU FM Fort Collins. And if you want to go to the game, be sure to tune in tonight to my show, 7 to 9, for a chance to win four sets of tickets. Absolutely. I'll have to look out for Kinsey Jr. That is a lot of uh, yardage. You know, it's uh, a lot. He ate, it just tore it up on the ground. He was an animal. Sounds like oh it. Oh my yeah. gosh. That game, I just have to say, that ending was probably the most heartbreaking thing that's ever and, happened. You know, I don't know if you guys have a second. I had a kind of cool story from the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so for that game, you know, during the last five minutes with our press passes, we're allowed to go down to the field. So for that last drive, uh, me and Sean Garber, we were on the field and we started on the 25. It was me and Zay and him. We saw him do the deep bomb, so we went running down the other side of the field, and we were right there in case they would have scored. We almost saw the game-winning touchdown. We are that close. That's that awesome. Close. Yeah, I have to say I and probably other Rams felt just a state of shock that <sighs> they did not go into overtime, that there was no redemption. It was 1-1 one, one in the morning, though, so That's true. I can't I disagree with the call of let's head home, but right. I would have stayed. I was good to stay. I was willing to. Yeah. I think I was asleep, but I would have stayed. <laughs> hey, in your head, you were still rooting for us, right? You're having yeah. the Oh, dreams, of course. I wouldn't root for any other teams. Of course. All right. Well, we are going to take a short break. When we get back, we'll have Rabbi Yermakel Gorlick in to talk about some things that are upcoming on campus with ASCSU regarding last week's um, swastika on the wall incident in Aggie Village. So stay tuned for that one.
and we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and we are joined with some guests in the studio. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Rabbi Yerachmil Gorelik. I teach here on faculty with philosophy department and advise some of the Jewish student groups on campus. Um, hi, I'm Denise Negretti-Peters. I'm president of Students for Holocaust Awareness on campus. My name is Allison Ogle. I'm president of Sigma Alpha Epsilon Pi Jewish Sorority on campus. Wow, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, for a little context for those listening who don't know, uh, last week in, I believe it was Aggie Village, a uh, swastika was found drawn on a wall. And uh, much like the other recent incident of blackface, so the swastika is a hate symbol. And uh, we want to do our part in the conversation of why people respond to these hate symbols and why these symbols are so powerful and get such reactions out of people. And um, so would you, uh, would any of you mind giving our listeners who may not know uh, a brief description of why the swastika is a hate symbol? Well, um, it was, it, it was taken to use, to be used as something to represent um, the ethnic cleansing that was happening in 1930s and 40s in Western and Eastern Europe. And it was widespread and it was uh, largely, the ethnic cleansing it sent, itself was largely targeting Jews as we know, but it was also targeting um, ethnic minorities, gender and sexual minorities, and those with disabilities as well. And so this is something that it has a very violent history and is, is uh, representative of this supremacy and this idea of like the like the perfect white race and um, the ideal society that they wanted to create in having this like ethnic cleansing. Gotcha. So we had this happen here last week. Is this the first time uh, a symbol like this has been found on campus or have there been other incidents? No, there's been a lot of other incidences, um, basically, so I'm a fifth year, so I think my second year was when a Jewish girl, like, had a little whiteboard outside of her dorm room, and they, like, wrote horrible, nasty things about how she's Jewish, because she wrote Happy Rosh Hashanah on it, which is a Jewish holiday, and people drew swastikas on it, and I think last year there was a, like, a replica dummy of a Nazi, like, found in a trash can outside of Moby, um... So it's definitely not the first time that this has happened on campus, which is really disappointing to say. Like, it, basically every year I've been here, it's, it's happened, and so, no, it's not the first time. There was also an incident where a, a group of students were drawing swastika armbands on Snapchat and had... Oh, they painted it on their arms, yeah. Oh, they actually Yeah, they actually painted it. Um, they sent out a Snapchat of it, that much I know, and they sent it, and that actually caused a lot of problems on campus as well. It was something that... Um, the student bo uh, body in terms of Jewish organizations had talked to Tony Frank about, and there was an attempt for restorative justice with that person, but this is also another time in which the swastika appeared on campus, yes. So you're saying this has happened almost every year in the last yeah, few from, years? Yeah, from what I can remember, because uh, I started here um, August of 2015, um, so... And there was another incident. I can't remember exactly what they wrote, but somebody hacked the Durrell Wi-Fi and changed the Wi-Fi name to, like, F-Jews, basically. I think that's what it said. I can't remember if it was that or yep. kill. But, yeah, so um, so 
yes, it happens frequently, unfortunately. And that's only the cases that are reported. Yeah, you know, that's which true. There's been a cultural shift in minority groups being a little more comfortable sharing the bias directed towards them. But I can tell you in my 15 mm-hmm. years here, there hasn't been a single Jewish student who hasn't experienced some sort of bias or anti-Semitic remark or, um, yeah, you know, racism essentially directed towards that person and I often get reported things as well and even though I encourage them to take it up to the administration because it's important to be shared in order a lot of them just don't want to rock the boat or for whatever personal reasons don't want to revisit that trauma so this is pretty much uh, yeah uh, this is this is far from typical and and sadly will probably be repeated as well that makes sense. Um, I know a lot of students were theorizing that this was inspired by the blackface incident that it was just another uh, I hate to say another rise in hate crime, but it sounds like you guys are saying this is a a common occurrence on campus, correct? Yeah, I think people really feel like it's okay, like that's okay here at CSU, and I think that's why it keeps happening, to be perfectly honest. I don't see any action happening towards, you know, and like a lot of people that do the swastikas are cowards. We don't know who did them, and so like can't really punish them, but CSU kind of, in my opinion, I feel like they've made it so people maybe not students whoever's doing it but students feel okay doing this so yeah i think when one happens and they see they get away with it they just want to keep pushing the boundary and i will say that it it it, there's no coincidence that this incident happened after two weeks after the blackface incident especially as the statement made was that the students couldn't face any actual tangible repercussions for their actions because of the free speech a predicament and so in my in my opinion what I believe this is is basically saying is like a we won and we are here type of thing because really at the end of the day despite the fact that the woman in the picture faced a lot of social repercussion and had lost her job she's still able to attend the school right. and she's not yeah. seeing tangible um, repercussions for her actions and so that's something that speaks volumes to the community especially who those who believe that what she did was perfectly fine and socially acceptable and actually in the right, so. Another question I want to pose is you brought up the um, swastikas being painted on arms and that being posted on Snapchat and how there wasn't a lot of action from Tony Frank. And I just wanted to point out how much that mirrors the situation that's happening right now. And I kind of wanted to pose a question of, um, and get your opinion on how it makes you feel that that um, didn't really get that much attention as opposed to this. Well, Alison and I, um, together with a, quite a few students from the Jewish community here at CSU, had a two-hour meeting with uh, President McConnell. Perhaps, Alison, you'd like to address that, because these were all excellent questions that were posed to the president, and the students essentially, as one, wanted to see some substantial change, not just a focus on education, mm-hmm. which really just focuses on the people not doing these things, but uh, you know, uh, preventing by disciplining those that are doing these things. Alison, do you want to tell us about that meeting yeah, today? Yeah, I would love to. So um, a lot of what we talked about is what the CSU administration can and cannot do. So part of that is the legality of we are a public institution, and because of that, we are not able to expel or to really reprimand somebody for making these statements. However, what we can do is we can, um, like President McConnell had uh, announced in her uh, 
address to the to during the president's picnic that there is the uh, race bias and equity uh, initiative that's going on and that she's doing she's doing outreach in starting that and to look for like tangible action items going forward because obviously this is a problem that has been festering on campus and it's become this wound that's been infected and now that this infection is coming into the blood and it's coming into the entire body of the student and so it's something that we're like looking towards having action towards. Um, part of that also is addressing the concerns that it goes against the student code of conduct, but the student code of conduct is not legally binding. And so one of the things that we wanted to address and then that we, we started to address in the meeting today was finding ways to make it so that if there is a violation of student code of conduct, which both the blackface incident and the swastika being carved in the wall are violations, um, if, they are, if these occur, then there are tangible um, actions by the administration that can be done in uh, response. And so those are, those are some things that we are looking at doing. And President McConnell, is, like, President McConnell is very interested in having us meet again and to keep, keep this going rather than to have one, one event in which she hears our voices and then kind of like walks away. We are, there is action being done and we are looking at like how we're able to achieve those things. It's good to hear, and I'm sure the students or our listeners are interested in hearing that. And uh, we're going to come back to the uh, kind of the administration side of this. But right now, I'd like to I'd like to pose a question to the rabbi, if I may. Uh, what kind of student responses have you been hearing to this in- incident? How have people been feeling of late? Because I know a lot of uh, students, and not just Jewish students, but a lot of students in general, come to you for for counsel and to talk. Maybe you were in my class, Max. Uh, well, maybe last I was. Semester, as well as you, Coda. Gosh, look at that. It's, it's really nice to be able to interact with my uh, former students uh, in these capacities because you would have heard uh, the viewpoints of Judaism as we address things that are all too common to our, our culture and our people. You know, it's interesting. I mean, there's no question about it. Students are feeling scared and confused and, and unsafe and, and unwelcome, and there's no denial of that. Um, and, and we're trying to deal with those emotions. But as those that are familiar, Judaism's response to any sort of hardships and challenges has always been, okay, so what can you do now? You know, are you going to fall apart or are you going to use this as an opportunity uh, to grow? And, and indeed, while certainly identifying and, and encouraging and helping those who are going through those, those emotions and, and being there for them, at the same time, I've, I've been encouraging them in, in, the, in the truly Jewish way to say, look, Let's see if we can find a positive. Let's see if we can find a light out of this. And I think it's quite obvious. The fact that it's happening is terrible. Nobody wants it to happen. Once it's happening and a student gets faced with this, all of a sudden, now they've got to look inwards and see, gosh, there's a lot of fuss made of my Jewish identity. A lot of people hate me simply because I'm Jewish and they don't even know who I am. I need to understand my identity a little bit better. Where does this all come from? So in a way, it, it pushes uh, students to, to look at themselves a little bit better, look at who they are and who they represent. And if ultimately from that can come a stronger identity and a greater sense of pride, well, that's probably the best answer to anti-Semitism. If, 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 if Jewish students are being told, we hate you, we want to do this to you, stand up, be strong, be proud about who you are, embrace those things. And I've seen that. I've seen an incredible... Um, rekindling of interest by people who I didn't even know existed out here in the community. And and this is not just on a student level, this is happening on a community level. Let's not kid ourselves, this is representing a trend um, throughout the, the country as well as throughout the world. And so I've seen people in the community sort of step forward as well and say, listen, I want to get involved. This is making me speak up. Celebrities who we didn't even know were Jewish are speaking up and saying enough is enough. So if, if you like, uh, Judaism is looking at it, I think, 
in a positive way and I think the students are taking it really in a good way. So while they're troubled and while they're having a hard time, I think ultimately they're going stronger and they'll be better off for this experience. So those people doing these naughty things, you're never going to win. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, that leads perfectly actually into the next thing I wanted to ask you is, so for people who may, uh, who may not have been uh, lucky enough to hear that advice from you, or for people who are, are feeling troubled, are feeling challenged by this, uh, what kind of resources are there for them? That's a fantastic question. Um, there's obviously many resources that the university offers, and it's usually listed after those long emails that they send out. Uh, there's the Wellness Centre. There's all sorts of uh, uh, support there. Um, I consider myself a support and happy to talk to anyone, not just of the Jewish faith. Uh, there's a number of Jewish organisations here on campus that, that would be there for anyone who wanted to experience this. And we've had an outpouring of support from people that are not part of the Jewish community. There's, there's it, two Jewish student organisations, Chabad and Hillel, and then there's a Jewish sorority, SAEPI, and a Jewish fraternity, AEPI. And uh, they've really stepped up. And uh, come Wednesday, we're encouraging everyone to join the dialogue that we're going to have at ACC. How do you keep these headphones on for goodness sake. <laughs> um, uh, I, I suggest keeping one over the side of your ear. Oh, is that the way it is? Like DJ style. Okay. <clears throat> and um, I think that's going to be a real opportunity for people to be able to express themselves and discuss that. Um, and we'll want to hear from students. And I think it'll be a, an event of unity as well. So I encourage everyone to reach out to... Um, uh, to those that they feel comfortable with and that they can get a bit of support. You know, I want to tell you something interesting. I, I was leaving at the LSC last night. We had uh, our weekly Holocaust uh, Awareness Week planning meeting and there was a gentleman there leaving the building and I held the door open for him, so he had to hold the door open for me. And he looked a little bit troubled and I turned around to him and I said, do you have a good day? And he said, no, I didn't. So I said, do you want to talk about it? And I've never met him before, right? And we had a little bit of a chat. He also is a minority group and he's been made fun of and comments that were very hurtful. And we had a little chat. I said, look, I can't pretend to be in your shoes, but as someone Jewish, I can certainly identify with uh, being on the short end of the stick. And we talked about some of the, you know, the Jewish wisdom associated with that. And we shook hands and that was that. And so I tell people that, you know, a lot of people struggle. Well, I can't change the world. I can't change the tide of this country, the tide of the world. So they go back to their own little corner and, 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 and focus inward. And I say, well, it's not true. There are, there, we're, we're living in humanity now. Everybody's struggling. Everyone's got some pain. And you could just stop for five minutes, for one minute, and whether it's a smile or a little bit of a chat, and you could lift up somebody else's day. Light has a terrific way of, of just continuing to, to grow. You know, you light one candle, you can light 5,000 with that. So if we all just did a little bit of that every day, by definition we can make it a better place and, and make the world a little bit uh, brighter for everyone. Wow. And, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was, uh, you mentioned the ACSU meeting, ACSU meeting. And I was just wondering if you could explain to me a little more about what's going on tomorrow. So ACSU is, is really a wonderful organization. We've collaborated with them. I think they're really genuinely motivated to, to help uh, student life over here. And uh, I had... Uh, there was a reach out on both ends, and they essentially invited the Jewish community to... to um, express themselves and uh, they committed to, to passing several resolutions in terms of both condemning and, and, and pushing the university into some sort of uh, appropriate action. So really they're there to support the Jewish community like they were there the other week to support the uh, the black student organisations. And uh, so that's what we're doing, you know. Uh, come Wednesday we hope to be able to create a voice and through that 
again to to snowball hopefully into some uh, changes here and and slowly but surely we can lift and change this culture and this climate that that's the hope so we encourage everyone to show up and share your piece it doesn't just have to be jewish students but come and show your support for for, for the jewish community and really for anyone anyone who's got a decent um <clears throat> who's just a decent human being should be bothered by all this and to come in and say enough is enough um let's let's make this a kinder place if there if there was to be like a, a tangible goal that could, you know, some kind of resolution that could come out of working with ASCSU, uh, what would you like to see? I, I'm hearing from the students one and one simple thing. I, I know that everyone in administration is, is well-intentioned and, and has been, but at the end of the day, students, and that's what they said today, heard it over and over, right, Alison? We're just, they're just tired of hearing, we condemn it, uh, we're with you, our thoughts and prayers are with you, uh, we feel for you, this is not the place for that. Well, that's nice, and that's what my grandmother can tell me, right? But at the end of the day, kids want to see, so what are you doing about it? And, and I understand there are challenges of free speech and law, etc. but come what may, you have to be here for the students. You've got to figure it out. See, you can't just um, say, we're there for you and we'll support you, but our hands are tied. Figure it out. <clears throat> that's what you've got lawyers for. That's what you've got a team for. Find a way of making it work, but your priority must be for the students. So I would like to see it get better for, 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 for the students, for all students over here. And the only way is that they have to come up with some real measurable uh, action that primarily focuses on preventing these things from happening, which means not giving a free pass to the kids that are doing this, figuring it out who it is um, and pursuing it, it, it in such a way that the next person will think twice before they do it. We all know diversity training, uh, bigots and racists aren't gonna show up to that. So I mean, like, who are we kidding? They're not taking that, they're laughing right when that's being offered uh, if they can do that and the ACCU will come up with a resolution and that helps in this uh, long journey then uh, that's what we're hopeful for that's that's truly what we're hopeful for and it, I, if I may say so uh, you know we're all very impressed with President McConnell uh, she seems very motivated she's onto this uh, she sent me a personal email telling me that Rabbi um, I will not stand for anti-semitism over here so she's made that very clear and she's got a thousand other things to do right so um, let's see let's see what happens and We'll give them a chance, and um, they're new, and, and, and see where it goes. But uh, we're all hoping for a better future. Absolutely, and I think that uh, echoes a lot of what we heard last week, um, talking about the blackface incident and the, the work with uh, the administration, ASCSU. And I think that uh, there's it's, it's, uh, it's very apparent that there's something going on on campus in regards to speech and freedom of speech and the, how that's evolving in the modern day and groups that uh, don't, uh, yeah, don't want to be ignored. And that, um, yeah, I think we're seeing a really powerful change, potentially. So, Rabbi, you said you were going to be at the ACSU meeting. Yes. Um, and I don't know if our other two guests are going to be there as well. Yeah, we're gonna, both going to be there. Yep. All right. And I just wanted some clarification uh, for if students wanted to get interested and get involved and uh, be present at that. Uh, where and when will that ASCSU meeting be tomorrow? Uh, it's in the Senate chambers at 8, 8 p.m.? 6 p.m. Sorry, 6 p.m. tomorrow in the Senate chambers, uh, which is right near the LSE Theater in the LSE. I think right. it's open for public comment at 6.30. Yeah, and I would encourage everyone to come. Sorry, I'm kind of stealing the mic right now. But, you know, the like Alison was saying, the swastikas, it's not just about Jewish people. Like, it's about all minorities, like black people, Hispanic people, like Asian people, disabled people, mentally ill people. Like, it's not just about Jews. It's about hatred for 
basically anyone that didn't follow that certain ideal, which is very long and tired and old, you know, like everyone should be hurt by this. Like even people that like maybe, you know, back in the day they followed that perfect mold or whatever, like that's still, it's still extremely dehumanizing to have a symbol like that. Cause it's basically saying, we don't want you here. You're not human. And so I, I'm encouraging, I would like to see everyone like all sorts of people there. Cause it's really like a, it's a, it's a warning in my opinion. Mm-hmm. More than anything, and and if, if this might be well, it's not really off topic, but you know, you know what came up at, at the meeting was that do Jewish students have a, a voice here on campus? And and while the four organisations are quite active, the reality is that for many they can go by a year or two and not even realise it's a Jewish community. Um, there's no office on campus, and I know President McConnell is very receptive to the idea of the students of creating some sort of space for that. But the truth is, we do know that out there there are probably a lot of Jewish students who might be feeling a little bit lonely. A little bit out of place. It's coming up to the high, you know, holidays, the, the new year here, and they're probably thinking, where am I going to go? At home, I would celebrate with my family. Where am I going to go? So I'd like to share with everyone out there, um, whoever would like to come, we're hosting a, a big community rush on a dinner at the Senior Centre on Sunday, this Sunday, September 29 at 6pm. If you could RSVP, that would be absolutely wonderful. Uh, JewishCSU.com slash dinner, And I'm sure, Max, you guys could send out a, a link. But don't feel that you're on your own. Um, we're there for you, and and uh, um, and and we want to be that family that you may be looking for. And if you just need to talk, uh, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to any of the organisations. Um, but there are people here for you, and and things are going to change. Thank you so much for sharing that, Rabbi. Uh, we're about to go on a break, but before we go, any final thoughts from any of our guests? Um, no, you can go. Oh, okay. Um, I know we said this before, but I really would like to reiterate the idea that any type of threat to any minority camp on community on campus is a threat to all minority communities on campus. And I believe this is true for the blackface incident. I believe this is true for the noose that showed up in Newsom Hall, and I believe this is true for all the swastikas that are being drawn. And I, although the YESCAC meeting is focusing on anti-Semitism, it, it is all-encompassing of this idea of white supremacy that needs to not exist anymore generally yeah and I guess I just would like to um like if anyone's interested in holocaust awareness week it's not necessarily a Jewish organization but um we do a lot of like awareness and we do the field of flags which have different like uh categories of people that passed um but if anyone's interested in helping out with that we meet every Wednesday um in the LSC common lounge also like what Rabbi was saying like you're not alone like I know it feels really bad right now to be any kind of minority um and you're never alone. Like there's always going to be people there for you and like, just know that people care about you. And yeah, and like you are, you are more than whatever they're trying to make us be. Like they're just, I just feel like the symbol is kind of trying to tell us to like go away and stop existing. And that's not what we're gonna do. Never, never. And if you're wondering how you can get involved and you're sitting back with sympathy, but not sure, just go out there and, and, and bring a smile to someone's face. Just do one little, one little candle every day, if we all do that. I think that's a, a wonderful place to end. Thank you so much, Rabbi, and thank you, thank you so much for you. coming and joining us today. We're going to take a break, but after the break, we're going to have an interview with Hanin Badri, one of the founders of the Instagram paid page, uh, Not Proud to Be a CSU Ram. So stay tuned for that. Maybe from there. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Max Hunter. And I'm Ren 
Wadsworth, and we are here with our wonderful reporter, Coda Babcock. Ooh, a little jinx there. So, uh, listeners, I know we said Hanin Badri would be coming in next, but unfortunately, Hanin has uh, had something come up in Denver and is unable to come in for her interview today, but we will be trying to get Hanin in at a future date. Uh, we still would really like to cover what went down between ASCSU and uh, hashtag um, not proud to be not proud to be Ram. not so uh, we will be talking about that just unfortunately it will not be today but we would very much like to thank uh, Rabbi Gorlick for coming in and talking with us and the students he brought uh, that was uh, really I think uh, powerful to heal here from more people who have been impacted by these incidents on campus. Uh, but we are going to go into some local news with our wonderful reporter, Coda Babcock. So take it Hi. away, Coda. Hi, again, I'm Coda Babcock, and this is your local news for Tuesday, September 24th. Okay, so we're starting out. Erin um, Udell from the Fort Collins, Colorado, reported yesterday that Wingstop will be opening a new location in Old Town. The Dallas-based restaurant will be a new tenant at The Exchange. Um, in a, a 1,700-square-foot space. Wingstop will be the first restaurant in the exchange to be centered around Wings, and the exchange is located at 200 North College Avenue for anyone who wants to check it out. Pooter School District has also put vaping on its radar recently because of national news reporting vaping-related illnesses. While Northern Colorado has not currently faced any issues from vaping-related illnesses, in 2017 it was reported that 30.8% of students of Pooter School District self-reported e-cigarette use, about 3% higher than the state average of 27% and significantly greater than the 11.7% national average. Last year, 65% of students reported vaping also, report, that reported vaping also reported that they were interested in stopping or cutting back on use. Pooter School District is currently working to prevent more students from vaping and nicotine use while also trying to help those students that are seeking recovery in doing so. Counselors are working to educate students and their families about the dangers of using addictive su substances, um, including nicotine, and have even started emphasizing the information in presentations for freshmen. The school district has previously hosted sessions similar for families and plans to do so again. Drake Road will also be facing a full-day closure this weekend on Saturday. Uh, September 28th, just west of McClellan Drive. The closure is necessary to replace temporary asphalt and is scheduled to begin at 5 a.m. and reopen by 5 p.m. the same day. Business access will be maintained throughout the closure. J.C. Marmaduke at the Fort Collins Colorado reported earlier that Fort Collins Utilities and Fort Collins Loveland Water District, the city's two primary water providers, will be working to expand water conservation programs. Outdoor water use, and specifically lawn watering, accounts for nearly two-thirds of the average residents' household water use. Due to Fort Collins' increasing population and our fairly dry end of summer, the city is facing a dilemma when it comes to making sure that there's enough water available for residents and business owners alike. That was your local news for Tuesday. I'm Coda Babcock again, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on KCSU 90.5 FM. Thank you, Thank Coda. You, Coda. All right, so we're going to go straight into our roundtable. So our roundtable is about the prohibition on public exposure of breasts by women and girls over 10 years old is now gone from Fort Collins City Code as of this week. And kind of what that means and a little bit about that whole movement. Um, so a little bit about this movement. Um, it's part of the Free the Nipple movement that's kind of making a lot of traction in um, across the nation. One of the main points of this movement is that 
expecting women to wear shirts in public and men not to is a direct violation of the Constitution because it's effectively treating women and men differently. It does seem kind of unfair, yeah. Yeah, and another huge point about it is that um, a lot of people uh, have the stigmatism about women's breasts being sexual objects, which they're not. By definition, breasts are not sexual objects. Females, for feet and babies. Right. Female nipples are not sexual. They're not more sexual than male nipples. Nothing like that. Um, some of the pushback of this, however, is that um, a lot of people were worried that women were going to be running around topless in front of like schools and in uh, swimming areas. And that's actually what the article says, is that a lot of the um, politicians were really worried about public exposure um, with children. However, another pushback, main pushback of this um, being passed is that uh, it allows uh, girls as young as 10 to be publicly exposed, but an argument against that again is that um, boys can be shirtless way younger than 10. It's a, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, technically boys can be shirtless no matter what age they are. Right. I don't <laughs> think anyone really cares. Um, and it's 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 interesting that they they had such a specific uh, uh, age kind of cutoff for that one, and it makes me wonder kind of what kind of conversations went into making that I can the choice. Clarify a little if you want. Oh, yeah, can you? Um, That'd be awesome. Yeah. So yeah. it's actually saying because it's because previously it was uh, girls under ten could be shirtless, and that was the cutoff. Um, they switched it so that girls of all ages and women of all ages can both oh, yeah okay so that, that that's just much... a quick explanation yeah i thought that was a very specific age too yeah i, I, th- I thought, thought that, that was, was kind of like strange they do leave age. that out of the news articles a lot of the time and okay. a lot of the press releases which is a little bit difficult to figure out sometimes so okay. i know a, a big part of this uh and this uh, this has been a legal battle for a few years now is a uh, child activist um uh she was a uh uh, 16-year-old, uh, I believe uh, she was a trans woman and um, really fought for this not to be just lifting the ban for adults but for people of all ages for real equality, as she put it. And uh, I'd just like to pose the question to both of you. Um, do we Do we feel that Real, real equality is for everyone of all ages, or is it just for adults? I think it's for everyone, and also I think it gets kind of weird. Like I thought it would, it gets into this like weird territory when you like restrict younger people, which is what I thought this was originally, from not being able to do things, especially of this nature. Like when initially I had thought this was saying that girls under ten could not go topless, and that in itself I thought almost sexualized younger women. If that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think so I'm that glad it's not yeah, that. <laughs> that's kind of how I was thinking about it. Because I think that if we're arguing that it's not a sexual object, like breasts aren't sexual objects, and um, that's why they should it should be equal for men and women both, in and non-binary people, of course, but generally right. all people to um, be able to go shirtless on hot days. Um, I think if we're arguing that it's not sexual for women to do it specifically, we need to also accept the fact that young girls should be able to do it too. Because if it's not sexual for them, it's not. It's definitely not sexual for like a younger child, thirteen-year-olds, ten-year-olds, like right. because the only reason that would be sexual is if you already have a gross kind of idea right. of those girls. 
Right. And I think this is a hard thing for a lot of people to wrap their heads around because it's um, so ingrained in our society that breasts are sexual. They're not meant to be shown, um, even going so far as to argue the whole breastfeeding in public, if that's okay, if that's not okay, um, when that's their purpose. Yeah. I feel like I see more people upset about that than I do about um, men going to the bathroom outside, which... That's an that's an interesting one, yeah, because not yeah. very many people are upset about that. Even um, though that one actually is technically a crime, um, but... People are much less upset about that idea compared to women just feeding their baby. Right. Well, and um, part of the, the pushback is, is you're right, is people uh, do see breasts as uh, sexual. And part of the, uh, and part of the push, pushback, obviously, against, uh, against kids, you know, going topless is that that could be seen as such, not that it would be by the law, but that there's a risk of, you know, strangers seeing that as such or random people who uh, have, you know, bad boundaries taking that the wrong way. Um, do you think that could be a concern? Um, I think that those people, like, as you said, the people who already have issues with boundaries would have issues regardless. Right. <laughs> um, I also think that we have years of, like, Generally, people as a whole have years of ingraining that they should dress modesty, especially modestly, especially women. So I don't think women are just because a new law is passed going to be suddenly comfortable right. doing it. Well, well, it is kind of the whole showing your ankles thing that never you oh know, ended I was a civilization. Say, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in 20, 40 years, however many it takes, because it's that same issue. Like, I mean, 100 years ago, men couldn't go out topless. 40 years ago, probably more than that, women couldn't wear shorts. It's that kind of thing that... Yeah, it's like at that time years. It was like, yeah, at that time <laughs> it was so unrealistic for women to think, like, I could ever go out wearing pants, stuff like that. Yeah, we actually uh, got a text in Ooh. just now uh, about this. And the text says that the, the pushback our politicians, uh, they think that people are going to be going out topless, but obviously that hasn't happened. And I have to say I agree. I haven't seen that at all. Uh, so that in mind, this should just be a general rule now, is what uh, our texting listeners saying. Time will tell uh, that people will act and behave better as they see things that are taboo as not taboo. And uh, I think that's a really awesome point. Uh, thank you for texting that in. Uh, because, yeah, there have been a lot of things in the past that we as society have thought were taboo uh, that aren't anymore. Or vice versa. Or vice yeah. versa, things that we thought were totally fine that, you know... 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, we're not totally fine. Smoking, vaping, great example. Uh, racism. Yeah, vaping, <laughs> racism. Although, uh, I don't know if that was ever totally fine. But, uh, well, I mean, it, in, Ameri in America. Historically in America, a, yes. A, yeah. Oof, that, that's a whole nother uh, episode <laughs> we could do. But yeah, but, I, think it'll be, yeah. I think it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. And I think it's a great step towards true equality, not just women and men get paid the same stuff like that i think this is really a good step that equality is not supposed to feel comfortable and it doesn't just include economic it also includes social at all aspects right. yeah so. equality and change i should specify are not supposed to feel comfortable um when things when your society your societal view shifts it's not a comfortable feeling and that's essentially what's happening uh, is we're asking people to stop thinking the way they have for their entire lives and think of things in a new in light. In a different way, and that can be challenging. Right. It's 100% true. 
Um, we're going to take a quick break, but after that break, we're going to come back with our national days and wrap up the show in the way we've been wanting to do for, uh, that, for, two, for shows. two shows. We couldn't last week. The weather. The weather. Yes. So stick around. We will be right back. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter, and I am joined in studio... By Ren Wadsworth. And my lovely co-director. Ian Coda Babcock. Our lovely reporter. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Uh, it's been a really fun show today. Um, we talked to Rabbi Gorlick about um, last week's swastika incident, which admittedly is, is not as fun of a topic as I may have led people to believe when I said it was a fun day today, but it was a really interesting day. productive conversation. <laughs> Very educational. We had a few student leaders from the Jewish community in that conversation as well. Um, if you missed that one, you can check it out on our website, uh, or kcsufm.com, uh, or we will be rebroadcasting uh, the Rocky Mountain Review tonight at 11 p.m., so if you missed that, you can hear it then. Uh, also, feel free to check us out on, you know, our Facebook, KCSUFM, our Twitter, at KCSUFM, our Instagram, KCSUFM. We're doing a, a – we got a video of the conversation with the rabbi. We've got some live streams. we got lots of great content. So definitely check that out. And, uh, if, you know, feel free – always feel free to text us at 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-KCSU. We had someone text us during the last segment, and uh, they That's added so cool. some – Great insight. So, yeah, definitely uh, we love talking to you guys. We love hearing from you guys. So uh, feel free to reach out to us in any of those. And uh, if you would like to hear the interview with the rabbi, you can find it on our website, kcsufm.com. Uh, but, Ren, uh, I think you've got something to tell people about. I do. I don't know if many of you know this, but today is actually September 25th. Whoa. Whoa. Is it September 25th? No, it's Uh-oh. September 24th. <laughs> I was so confused. I'm so sad. I was like, wow, I really didn't know that. I really didn't know that. Well, I don't know if you know this, but it's September 24th. Wow. <laughs> which, okay. Which is also a National Energized Day. Um, Energized Day comes after the fall equinox, and it's a day to sit back and relax, and this day promotes like self-help um, and give yourself some well-deserved me time, which I think, as college students, a, we lot, always of us, deserve. a lot of us need to remember to do. <laughs> I haven't or... had time to myself in so long. That is so sad. That's how it is. That is how it is. On that kind of same topic of self-indulgence, today is also Cherry's Jubilee Day, which is a popular dessert in the United Kingdom. Uh, the dessert features vanilla ice cream and poached cherries and syrup. Um, a suggested way to eat this dessert is to order it before your meal at restaurants. So, sounds tasty. <laughs> and then today, uh, which is the fourth Tuesday in September, is also National Voter Registration Day, and this urges citizens to register to vote, as it says in the name. The day also encourages citizens in the United States to sign up and ensure that they are registered in their district, especially after a move or if they are new to voting. Um, and Max, do you want to tell us a little bit more, a little bit more about the importance of voting? Absolutely. So uh, National Voter Registration Day uh, is when it is because it is right before the deadline on an election year to register to vote, and uh, kind of 
you know, something I something I hear fairly often when I talk to people about voting is it doesn't really matter if I vote or not because my you know what am I going to do as one person? Uh, but in in the recent past, most major elections have been decided by very 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 small margins. So it it does uh, it really does make a difference uh, whether or not you vote. So. Uh, just because today is National Voter Registration Day, I wanted to bring that to people's attention. Uh, there are lots of resources available to help people register to vote. Uh, the easiest way is probably just to go onto the Colorado State Government website. Um, and I know uh, ballots, or at least ballot descriptions, just got sent out around neighborhoods. Um, if you're interested, get involved. Uh, voting can be a uh, reward within itself. Um, and that that's my piece on that. Max? Do you feel that in the air? Well, the feels, winds are coming in from the south. It feels like it's time for... <gasps> <gasps> the weather! Well, the winds may actually have been coming from the south because temperatures are dropping slightly this whole week. Yes, you heard me, slightly. Tomorrow, it's going to be bright and sunny with a high of 79, and the temperatures are just going to jump a bit. On Thursday, <laughs> with a high of 84 and a low of 51, that's a pretty big difference. So get ready for anything, anything on Thursday. Uh, Friday might be the day the temperatures start dropping. But you'll have to tune in Thursday to find out for our next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review. Uh, it's going to be a great one on Thursday. I already know we've got someone coming in from the Fort Collins Book Festival. And uh, they're going to tell us some great stuff. And uh, maybe, maybe, fingers crossed, we'll even get Hanine to come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, unfortunately, is the end of our show. Wait, it is? It is. Oh, my gosh. And we should thank some people. We should thank some people. You know who we should thank first? Damien Castile, who you made mean, all of the music you heard today. This Damien Castile? This one. That right one. Wow, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Um, we also, of course, we absolutely have to thank uh, Rabbi Gorlick and the uh, two students he brought with him uh, for coming in and talking to us today. It was really nice to hear your perspective. And uh, like they said, if people are interested in uh, joining uh, the rabbi and the Jewish community speaking to ASCSU, they will be meeting uh, tomorrow. We have to thank Kelly from Adventurous Backpack uh, Co. Thank you for coming in and having an interview with us. Yes, uh, that was uh, very interesting to learn about, and uh, their partnership with Rams Against Hunger um, is, is it's really awesome to hear a, a CSU alumni coming back and uh, working with the institutions we already have on campus. Um, we got to thank Coda. 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 Thank you, Coda, for doing all you do. And Dixon. Um, we got to, let's see, got to thank Hannah, of course. Got to thank Julia and Zay. Julia and Zay. Peter Wack. Um, I have to thank Max. Oh, gosh. I could not do this show without him, and I love doing this show with him. I got to thank you too, Ren, because, yeah, no, I wouldn't be able to do this uh, without you either. And I- I'd like to propose a new one. Uh, I'd like to thank really everyone at the station who helps us because there's a bunch of people. But also, we have like to, th- to thank you. We have to oh, thank you, we listeners. That time. I know, and we-, we missed the end of the song, but we still have a minute left, so let's spend this whole minute thanking everyone wonderful who listens to us, everyone who walks by the big window and waves at us or smiles or, you know, does something, anything to get our attention. Uh, we appreciate all of you. 
Um, we know how lucky we are to get to broadcast our voices to the whole area listening to us <laughs> and uh, yeah, and talk about um, you know the things that we we think should be talked about. So thank you for letting us do this, and thank you for listening and your continued support. Um, we still have 20 seconds left in this minute. Ren, anything to add? Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. We'll next see you Thursday, Thursday on the next episode of the I Rocky don't know Mountain what Review day it is. here on 90.5 KCSU, Fort, Fort Collins. Collins.